Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us for a special installment of the Rocky Mountain Myrex Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hoffberg, and we are reporting in from the American Association of Suicidology 2018 conference. And today's installment is a special release that is in honor and to support the lived experience movement. Um, We got a chance to sit down with individuals who have lost a loved one to suicide. We got a chance to talk to individuals who have survived a suicide attempt. And I want to take a moment to honor those that we've lost to suicide and dedicate this to my dear friend Allison and to all those that we've lost to suicide. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy the episodes. everyone, this is Sara Nazem here from the Rocky Mountain Marek. I'm a clinical research psychologist. I'd like to introduce our special guest today, who's Elaine DeMello from NAMI, New Hampshire. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sara. Definitely. I was wondering if you could just start off with telling us a little bit about your work with NAMI, New Hampshire, and specifically what led to the creation of the Connect program. Sure. Well, thank you. So I've worked with NAMI, New Hampshire since 1999, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker who came from the working in the mental health field um, with people with serious mental illness. Moving on to NAMI was a, a natural fit for me because I really believe in the power of lived experience and supporting families and supporting people who are struggling with mental illness. But in the course of all of that, um, it became really clear to me, and, and um, in conversations at NAMI New Hampshire early on, we realized that the people who were struggling with mental illness were also uh, at the very high risk for suicide. And in some uh, rare but tragic situations, we had family members lose a loved one to suicide. So we were now supporting them in a different kind of way and recognized that um, suicide prevention and suicide postvention was a really important mission, uh, part of the mission for NAMI, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And so we were working on that, and I was working with a group of people uh, on a statewide basis around youth suicide prevention, and this group recognized that there was a need for youth suicide protocols for prevention and postvention. So NAMI got involved in helping to create those. Um, those protocols then turned into a program, which eventually became the Connect program, which is something that I've been doing pretty much ever since that Excellent. time. Yeah, really some pioneering work that was based on what you saw in the field. Yeah, Yeah. there was definitely a need, and we were coming in it from the lived experience Mm -hmm. point of view, recognizing that the impact of that loss on the individuals who had um, lost someone to suicide or were living with a loved one at risk for suicide. Well, I know one of the really innovative and um, outstanding aspects of the Connect program is that you all have used a systematic and holistic approach to suicide postvention. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about what that means, what it looks like, and kind of the rationale behind that. Yeah, so we um, truly believe that people with uh, that working in a suicide prevention Um, program, you really have to take a public health approach. And it's certainly important to work with individuals at risk for suicide and those who have lost someone to suicide, and that's a very important aspect of it. But if you look at a social ecological model, there's a lot more rings and a lot more parts to that system that are also able to play a really key role in either suicide prevention or postvention. So when we developed the Connect program, we looked at how the systems interface with each other, how they interact with themselves, how different parts of the system and um, the larger system like society, things like 
um, policy, protocols, media, uh, as well as on a community level, how organizations all can play a part surrounding individuals who are either at risk for suicide or have lost someone to suicide. So the Connect program works um, in a systematic way to bring, to build and reinforce relationships that different sectors of the community have which, with each other, recognizing that there's no one sector of the community that's responsible for either prevention or postvention, but that when they all work together off of the same page and recognize what they can expect from each other and what best practices they can utilize, we build a much stronger safety net than people working in isolation. So it really works to cultivate that kind of community uh, approach where there's a lot of interrelationship between parts of the community surrounding the people at risk or the people who have lost mm-hmm. someone. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it also supports what you had mentioned earlier, that suicide postvention is actually a suicide prevention, Absolutely. and that those two have the kind of dynamic relationship with they one really another. Do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm curious to also hear what your thoughts on how we can increase awareness about the importance of suicide postvention, um, thinking about within communities and thinking about that pretty broadly as well. So, of course, family, friends, loved ones who have survived a loss of suicide, but then also um, providers and other people that are broadly considered in our communities. Mm. So when people have experienced a loss to suicide, it's, it affects the immediate family, it certainly affects the friends, others close to that um, person, but sometimes we don't realize how much it affects so many more. Uh, organizations, communities, um, others who are associated with that person through social media or any other kinds of connections. You have a student who's a football player, and there's teams that that person has played you know, across the state that are affected. So it really has far-reaching implications, and so I think we need to think about that broadly. And I do think that that's why we, we like a community approach, and we don't want any particular organization to feel like, okay, you're on the hot seat, you need to deal with it if it's a student who dies by suicide it shouldn't be just the school that has to respond to that but how can we all support a community in healing um, and moving forward and loss survivors and people with lived experience with mental illness or those who have attempted suicide are some of our best advocates for helping us move forward and find the path through towards hope and healing um, if we can supplement that with knowledge, best practices, experience. And, you know, so once again, we look at providers in the mental health field. They work with the most high-risk individuals for suicide. And yet in the mental health field, um, when we lose somebody to suicide, we and I've, I'm a mental health provider um, and worked with many suicidal individuals, we take it very, very personally when we lose someone to suicide. Um, and we're the only field, medical field, that I can think of that would hold that kind of responsibility and blame and guilt for ourselves. I mean, you know, someone who works with cancer patients or heart, you know, people with heart disease, if if we lose them, we understand that that is part of the disease, but mental health clinicians hold that very, many of us hold it very personally. And once again, I don't think any system or any individual or organization should um, feel that they have to take responsibility for that. So, through um, the power of, I think, healing, uh, a comprehensive system, a supportive kind of environment, I think we can all take an approach that recognizes that um, we can prevent suicide and that working on postvention and healing um, is also a part of preventing future suicides and promoting healing in a healthy and um, uh, a more productive kind of way. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that really resonates with the theme behind some of the work that we're doing at the Rocky Mountain Myrock, which is really thinking about if, for example, we're supporting our providers after they experience um, one of their patients' deaths by suicide, then they in turn can better support the community and the other veterans that they see. And when our veterans and our community feel supported by our providers, then that strengthens our facilities as well. And so really talks about and kind of shows that overlapping um, community aspect that you spoke to earlier. That's that's wonderful work that you're doing and we see lots of examples of that. I um, just did a pre-conference workshop here at AAS and um, one of the examples I gave and initiatives that was driven from the community was um, law enforcement supporting um, people who have lost someone to suicide on the scene because they don't know how to do that. They know how to do an investigation. They know how to move on to the next call. But what they say to us is we really need help supporting law survivors. And, oh, by the way, we're really impacted by this, too. And that's turned in a, into a beautiful um, partnership where we have law survivors and law enforcement working together to support each other and developing protocols on how they can handle a scene going forward in a way that's going to be more helpful to the law survivor and helpful to the first responder. And so I think clinicians um, can be doing some of the same thing as well. It's not just about them reaching out and supporting the family or whoever um, was affected by that loss, but how can people support them? Because they're loss survivors too. So I'm curious, because you've been doing this work for quite some time, if there's a certain takeaway that our listeners might really resonate with. So something that I say in just about every post-vention training is um, if you've lost somebody to suicide, please remember that it's not your fault. Uh, If there was anything you could have done to prevent it, you would have done that. Uh, And then I add... Um, a piece, which is to say, given the work, and my experience at least, with people who have been very seriously suicidal, I also think that if the person themselves who took their life um, could have done anything to prevent it, they would have as well, but in that moment they couldn't. So what we really need to do is um, look towards healing, look towards prevention, um, look towards the people with lived experience who, again, can help us find a path forward to um, reducing this tragic outcome from um, people who are suicidal. Mm-hmm. Great. If our listeners are interested or curious in hearing a little bit more about your work, uh, where should they go? So NAMI New Hampshire has um, uh, a website, and there's also the Connect Program website, which is the connectprogram.org, and it looks at, uh, it'll give you a lot of information about our suicide prevention and postvention programs. But there's also a part of that site that has a lot of resources for loss survivors. So if you go to resources, that's an, another section that people can get a lot of information and look at some of the materials that we've developed and initiatives that are there to um, support um, loss survivors and look at community postvention. And I'm happy to take contact uh, to give my contact information which is e-d-e-m-e-l-l-o at n-a-m-i-n-h dot org outstanding well thank you so much elaine for spending some time chatting with us today and telling us a little bit about the outstanding work that you're doing so thanks well, so much and thank you absolutely thank you for the work you're doing we wanted to provide our listeners especially those interested in learning more about suicide postvention additional information about a brand new VA Suicide Postvention Resource Center that will be coming soon. The Suicide Postvention Resource Center will house information, suggestions, and best practices to help individuals process suicide loss. The website will include basic self-care tips for those affected by a loss, guidelines on how to establish suicide postvention teams within the workplace, educational infographics on the impact of suicide loss, podcasts with suicide postvention experts, 
personal accounts, including videos, from providers affected by suicide loss, and much more. Please visit the Rocky Mountain Myrick website to watch for launch news on the Suicide Postvention Resource Center.